Good morning, family of God and uh, all of our friends and guests who might be joining us today for our online service. We are so delighted that you are joining us. I'm Pastor Jay Duncan, pastor of Antioch Church, and we're going to be breaking open the word together. Today is Mother's Day, so for all of our moms out there, bless you. We are so grateful for who you are as a biological mom, as a spiritual mom. Typically, we know that uh, in the past, when we've gathered together at Antioch on Mother's Day, it's a real special day. It's a real day of healing for all of our moms who are going through difficult seasons during this time. It's a special day of healing for even our sons and daughters who are working through uh, issues, even within their own heart, as it relates to their relationship with their moms. And today, I am just announcing and declaring to you, friends, let the grace and the peace and the healing of God cover your hearts. We love you and we bless you. And moms, we thank you. Thank you for your ministry. And I want to remind you today that what you do and who you are is a ministry. Many times it's a thankless ministry. Many times it feels like it's a hidden ministry. But it is a powerful and essential ministry, not only to your own kids, but to your community, to the friends that are around you, the lessons that you're learning that you're passing on to other moms, the lessons that you're learning that you're passing on to other people in this community and in the Antioch family. So happy Mother's Day. We love you and we appreciate you greatly. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to uh, invite you to join me this morning. We're going to be starting in the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14, I'm going to just read the first few verses here, verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into the Word together. Verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the place to where I am going. Father, thank you so much for the word of God today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have in all of our various capacities to preach your word. And Father, even to preach your word beyond the normal scale of people that we would reach on a regular basis. We have an opportunity today for the word of God to go into so many homes all across our city and Lord, even across the world. And Father, I pray today that this would be an encouraging word, that it would be a word that brings strength and life and grace into the hearts of your people, that it would be a word that turns our hearts to you, that it would be a word, Father God, that helps bolster us in the times that we're living in and the times that are ahead. And we pray these things today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. John chapter 14, verse 1, friends, if we would look on here again. The scripture says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled, but believe in God. Believe also in me. I want to take a few minutes this morning and focus on three passages in the scriptures that may seem a little counterintuitive because they're commands that are given to us, but they're commands that are formed in the negative. They're commands that are formed and they're given to us in such a way that they're telling us what not to do. So right here, number one in John chapter 14, verse one, Jesus is giving us a command. 
And a lot of times when we think about commands, we typically think of something positive or proactive that we are to give ourselves to doing. But this is a command that's formed in the negative. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, what do we gain from this? What do we learn from this? Number one, I think the first thing that we can identify is that there is a propensity, there's a tendency that we as human beings have to allow our hearts to be troubled. There's a space that we can enter into that we can partner with a spirit of anxiety, thoughts of fear. We can let our imaginations go into worst case scenarios, whatever it might be. But what's interesting here, what's fascinating here is that Jesus actually gives us a command. Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's true that your hearts can be troubled. There is a possibility. Every day there's opportunities for us to allow our hearts to be troubled. We are the gatekeepers of our hearts. We stand watch. Now, last week, Pastor Jonathan gave a phenomenal word talking about Jesus as the gatekeeper, Jesus as the door. But as we are created in his image, sons and daughters of the living God, he has given us a measure of authority over our own hearts and over our own minds. And he is saying to us, guys, stand watch. Stand watch over your heart. Stand watch over your emotions. Stand watch over your mind and pay attention. Give diligence. Be sober. Be vigilant to the things that you are allowing into the garden of your heart and your mind. And then he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Now, I want to be very clear here. Life and the situations of life, the injustice, the victimization, the violation, things that happened that we weren't expecting, things that happened that we weren't aware of, the sin in the world, the corruption of the world, the injustice of the world, those things can bring trouble into our hearts. And what I'm not saying here to you today, friends, I'm not saying that difficult things will not happen. You'll never hear your pastor say that. In fact, on the opposite, you will hear me often say, guys, we are living in a day and an age where challenges and adversity and opposition and struggle and trial, all of those things are a part of the Christian's lot. All of those things in some ways are promised towards us. Jesus says that in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says over here in John 14, he says, though you will have trouble in this world, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now look at that contrast. In the world, you will have trouble. There are troubling things that are going on right now, but don't let your hearts be troubled. The thing that we find here is that we actually have a choice. We have a choice in whether or not we are partnering with and participating with the promise of God, the character of God, the reality of God, the truth of God. And when we participate with those things, we can have an ecosystem in our spirit. We can have an environment in our soul and our emotions and in our mind that is trouble free, even though we're surrounded by trouble in the world around us. Friends, there is a choice that you and I can make to participate with this command, with this directive, and with this promise. This is a promise. So part of this equation involves our will. But the biggest part of this equation involves the grace of God. Because every decision that we make is always a response to the grace of God. Every decision that you and I make to be obedient to God, every decision that you and I make to resist sin 
It is always a response to the invitation of God's grace. And today I want you to know that there is an invitation that Jesus is extending to you and to me right now. And that invitation is, come near to me. And with me, walking hand in hand with me, you can live a life that is not free of trouble externally, but you can go through life where your heart and your soul and your mind are not burdened and overcome with trouble. In fact, this reminds me of a time when Jesus said to his disciples, come unto me, all of you who are weak, you're tired, you're burdened down with the burdens of this world. And he says this, he says, I'm going to give you rest and I'm going to take those burdens from you. There's a chapter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where he says, cast all of your cares on me because I care for you. Friends, what do we do with the troubles of our heart? We don't just ignore them. We don't just, you know, throw God talk at them. I want to encourage you to be honest when you recognize that there are troubles in your heart. I want you to be honest today when the troubles in your environment start to soak their way and seep their way into your mind, where you begin fixating your mind, where it's hard to sleep at night because uh, all you're doing is running the troubles of the world through your mind. I saw an article today that said that one of the worst case scenarios for this situation is that we would be at a stay-at-home crisis for the next three years. Friends, if we, if we allow ourselves to fixate on the information on the world around us, it will literally drive you insane. It will drive you crazy. And I'm telling you, you have a choice in the matter. You have a choice in what you allow to come in. That's why the scripture tells us to renew our minds. It tells us right there, the implication there is that our minds have a certain trajectory. There's a certain direction that your thinking goes into. And Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us, don't be conformed to the things that are going on in this world. Be careful the amount of information. Be careful the kind of information that you're fixating your mind on because it has a way of forming our hearts. It has a way of forming our faith. It has a way of forming our expectation. You know, faith and fear are exactly the same muscle. The same muscle that is required for you to be afraid of the unknown is the same muscle that allows us to trust in God's goodness in the midst of the unknown. So friend, today I am encouraging you, cast your cares on the Lord. Be, be vigorously honest with the troubles that are in your heart and then realize that God is not saying, I want you to deal with those troubles on your own. He's saying, bring those troubles to me. Identify them, name them, be honest with them, wrestle them to the ground, and then bring them to me. The truth of the matter is, most of the troubles, if not all the troubles, in our heart and in the troubles that are around us, the world that we're living in, are not troubles that you and I can do anything about anyways. I can't solve the crisis that we're in right now. I can't determine what the governor is doing uh, concerning how, how often we can gather or whether or not we can gather at all. I can't do anything about that. But what, can I, what I can do is say, God, I'm frustrated with this. I'm uncertain about this. I'm afraid of this. And I'm bringing these troubles to you. Come and be the Jesus who is asleep in the boat of the storm of my life. Come and be the Jesus who rebuked the wind and the waves and the storms. And rebuke those storms in my life right now. Let me take you to another passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. 
And we're going to look at verse 25. Another command that Jesus gives us. Verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns. They don't have 401ks. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. They don't have Roth IRAs. I'm not saying there's anything wrong, wrong with that. But the Father takes care of His creatures. Look at the birds of the air. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to his life? The second command that we see that Jesus gives us today is not only to not be troubled, but the second command is don't worry. Don't worry. Friends, it's, it's easy to worry. It's easy. You know what worry is? Worry is just a form of meditation. Worry is just a form of focus. It's a form of reflection. You know, what we could be doing and what we should be doing in that space of solitude and silence where we are reflecting on the Word of God, instead of filling that space with reflecting on the Word of God and filling up our minds, storing His commands and His promises inside of us, renewing our minds, transforming our life, building up our faith, instead what we do is we begin thinking over and over and over and over and over and over again about worst-case scenarios. We allow our heart and our mind to partner with fear and anxiety when we choose to enter into a pattern and a cycle of worrying. Worrying focuses on what we do not have. Worrying sets our sights on what we don't have. Faith and gratitude sets our sights on what we do have in God. Faith and gratitude and worship set the focus of our eyes on who God is, on His abundance, on His abundant nature, on His abundant character, on the fact that He has more than enough for us. There is so much that God has for you, friend. There is so much encouragement, counsel, joy, hope, peace. It's, it's limitless. If we believe that the character of God is infinite, which means that God has no limits, that God is infinite. It means that everything that we need, God possesses without measure. Friend, I'm here to tell you today that whatever it is that you need today, God possesses that without measure. He is the God who gives life and He gives it to the fullest. He is the God who promises to give us abundant life. Therefore, we can go about life and we can not worry. It's a command which means that we can fulfill it. It's a command which means that we have a part to play in fulfilling this command. Now remember, it's a command that's given by grace. This isn't just willpower I'm talking about here. I'm talking about responding to the grace of God. And this is a good prayer for us to pray. Jesus, you said for me not to worry. And because you said it, there is an empowerment by the Spirit of God that enables me to live life without worry. You told me to not worry, which means that your spirit will anoint me and embolden me and empower me to go throughout life no matter what is happening. I mean, friends, think about this. The children of Israel were in a literal desert. Now, I know you may feel like you're in a desert, 
But the last time I checked, every time that I go out and I go to a grocery store, yeah, there might be less things, but there are still things for us to purchase. We are not living in a literal desert. The children of Israel were in a desert. And God says, this is easy. I'll just bring you quail from the heavens. I'll, I'll cause heavenly bread to grow from the ground. I'll cause water to come out of the rocks for you, friends. You don't have to worry. It is a choice. Next passage of scripture I want to encourage you with today is out of the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to begin right here at verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul now is encouraging us. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. So we've got three commands here, beginning in John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Matthew chapter 6, do not worry. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious. Anxiety is the fruit of worry that is compounded over time, where it becomes a vice grip on our minds. It begins to shape and form our imagination. It begins to shape our view of the future when we begin living in anxiety. We begin allowing the unknown to control our hearts. We allow the unknown to control our attitude, our perspective, our perception of the world around us, the decisions that we're making. We allow anxiety. When, when we partner with anxiety, we allow it to, to form our very view of God. And friend, today, I am asking you, I am encouraging you, I am pleading with you, do not be anxious in this hour. I want to encourage you to make a decision right now empowered by the Spirit of God where you will say this with your mouth. I will not be anxious about anything. That's what the scripture says. I will not be anxious about anything. And if there's anxiety in your heart and your mind, again, take that. Bring that out there and say, God, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I don't have to be afraid to bring this to you. I don't have to be ashamed of this. But there's a little anxiety that's happening in my heart right now. I'm bringing this to you. You told me not to be anxious, so I'm bringing it to you. God, I'm a little anxious right now about my job. I'm a little anxious right now about my kids, about my marriage. I'm a little anxious right now about the state of the world. But you commanded me not to be anxious about anything, which means that there is an anointing and there is an authority and there is an empowerment graced by the Spirit of God to live life free from anxiety. Look at the word right here. He says, don't be anxious about anything, about anything, no matter how dire, no matter how severe, no matter how extreme, no matter how long this thing goes. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. All right, friends, well, what do we do? It's one thing to say, hey, all these things are things I'm not allowed to do. Well, what do I do? Well, you know, the beautiful thing is in each of these passages, we actually have something positive that we can set our focus and our direction on. Let's go back to John chapter 14. I want to give you just a couple of things to focus your faith and your energy and your attention on John chapter 14. We're going to start from the beginning and work our way back up to Philippians chapter 4. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And then it says this, it says, believe in God. You believe in God, believe also in me. There's another variation of the NIV that says trust in God. Trust in God, trust also in me. So what do we do to keep our hearts from being troubled? Jesus says trust, trust 
in God. Trust also in me. The book of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Friend, I don't understand what's going on right now. I don't have the depths of wisdom or understanding to, to navigate the, the world that we're in right now. But the scriptures invite me to trust God. Trust God. How do we trust God, you would say? Pastor Jade, I'm not sure how to trust God. Friend, very, very honest question. Read his word. And when he says something, choose to place your trust in it. Choose to direct your trust from the media of the hour, from the information of the hour. We trust the news reporters, most of us, some of us. All I'm saying is that when God says something to you, friends, say, I choose to put my trust in this. God, I choose to put my trust in your unchanging character and in your unchanging nature. One of the best things that you and I can do to build trust into our hearts is take inventory on the faithfulness and goodness of God in your life. Take inventory on the goodness and faithfulness of God. Look backwards and say, God, where have I seen you come through? Where have I seen you provide? And remember that the same God who did that yesterday will do it today and he'll do it tomorrow and he will do it forever. Friend, let me encourage you. Maybe you're looking in your life and saying, well, I don't really see the faithfulness of God. Look to the scriptures. The God who delivered Israel out of Egypt the God who guided them through the wilderness, the God who delivered uh, Daniel from the lion's den, the God who delivered so many of his people is the same God that you and I serve today. Put your trust in God. Choose today by the grace of God to anchor your heart and your faith in the goodness and the nature of God. Let's go to that Matthew passage. Matthew chapter 6. And at the end of this passage of Scripture where Jesus is encouraging us and commanding us not to worry and not to be so concerned about the things that we don't have in our life, right here in verse 33, he says, what do we do? What do we do? Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and all of his righteousness. And oh yeah, by the way, all these things will be added to you. So you're telling me not to worry. What do I do then? What do I do with my time? What do I do with all of this, this time on my hands? Oh, I got an answer for you. Seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom in prayer. Seek his kingdom in the opportunities that are around you. You find that you're with your kids a lot more. Seek God. There's opportunities here. God, how can your kingdom come in the lives of my children, in my marriage? Those of you who are singles right now, listen, I, I can only imagine being at home or being at home alone or with a few friends. Friends, I want you to know right now, if you're single, God is doing something preparatory in your life. He's working something deep in your life. These are special moments that you have with God. Seek Him. Seek Him. This is a word for all of us right now. We have opportunities to seek God like we have never had before. And I would encourage you right now, instead of saturating our minds and instead of saturating our emotions in the media of this hour, saturate our hearts and our minds in the kingdom of God. God, I choose to seek you. What would you have me to do today? Who would you have me to reach out to today? Who do you want me to text? Who do you want me to call? Who do you want me to encourage? Who do you want me to send money to? God, who do you want me to reach out to to see your kingdom come? Let's go to Philippians. 
Philippians, again, chapter 4. What can we do? And he tells us, don't let your hearts be troubled. Put your trust in God. Don't worry. Seek his kingdom. Let's see what Philippians chapter 4 has to say. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, that's easy for you to say. Then what do I do with all this time? This is what he says. Look at this. But in everything, in every situation, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, if you have requests, posture your heart in a position of gratitude and thanksgiving. And in every situation that you're in, let me know. Let me know what your requests are. I want to know what they are. Bringing our requests to God is an act of faith. Bringing our requests to God is, is a way of us saying, Lord, I trust that every good thing comes from you. God, the things that I need right now, I don't have, but I'm asking you to bring these things to me, and I'm trusting that you are able to make it happen. I refuse anxiety, and I'm going to make my requests known to you. I'm going to write them down. I'm going to vocalize them with my mouth. Friend, grab a journal. Write out your requests. What is it that you need in this situation? Make that known to God. Turn that upward to God. And look, there's a promise here. There's a promise in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that this was an encouraging word for you today. I pray that your heart has been invited into the unchanging character and the nature of God. Friend, He loves you. He loves you. He is not mad at you. He is not judging you. He is not angry with you. He is not distancing himself from you. He is saying, come unto me. If you're tired, I'll give you rest. If you're anxious, I'll bring peace to your mind. If you're worrying, I have a kingdom assignment that's available for you. And if your heart is troubled, I bring to you myself. The unchanging character of God. Friend, may the Lord bless you today. Antioch, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord draw near to you in this hour. May the Lord encounter you and awaken your heart in new ways in this hour. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.